Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Jonathan. You know, one thing I saw more of in the 2022 elections, mm-hmm. compared to past elections at least, were rainbow flags. There were rainbow flags in campaign rallies, on campaign shirts, all over social media. Ayan, let's welcome on stage the Lady Gagita! Rainbow ang napiling kulay ng LGBT dahil sinasalamin ng bawat kulay ang ibat-ibang sexual orientation, gender identity, at ekspresyon na bumubuo ng komunidad. Gayun paman. Not to mention, one presidential candidate even used rainbow colors to paint a picture of togetherness in her campaign. Queer culture was so very much alive online as it is on the ground. Right. There was a lot of uh, digital content produced online by queer directors, queer filmmakers for the elections. There were campaign materials that, you know, use Bucon as a metaphor or beauty contest as a metaphor or, or all these things with very queer humor. So what is it about this election that campaign rallies felt like a pride march and Becky's evolved from being the comedy act on the local stage to powerful influencers and engineers of viral digital campaigns. Oo nga, in this election, Maki Baka became synonymous to Maki Becky. Hello, I'm Jonathan Ong, disinformation researcher and professor at the University of Massachusetts Amherst and Harvard University. And I'm Kat Ventura, Puma Podcast. You're listening to Catch Me If You Can where we take a deep dive into the world of online trolls and talk to personalities involved in influence operations on social media. In this episode, we talk about the role of the queer community in the 2022 elections. So Jonathan, I love that we finally get to talk about queer politics. And by queer politics, we don't just mean Queers. Yes. But all members of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transsexual, intersex, asexual, and their allies. Mm-mm. We have been getting hints of this in our past episodes with meme content creators and alter accounts. For instance, Mike from episode 4 said he had to get more gay people in his team of attack meme content creators because the memes which they produced resonated more with people online. Right. And just last episode, we spoke with Twitter alter account Super Negatrona, who used his snarky Becky personality to speak boldly online. Mm. I think also in season one, we had discussed how Becky humor is weaponized for attack posts and snarky humor online. We had discussed um, examples of Senora Santibanez 
obviously queer culture is mainstream in Pinoy pop culture. So we can imagine how Becky humor is so important when it comes to attack posts for politics. So I guess um, for this episode, intention setting, Kat, this is really an episode for us to really go deep and understand the importance of queer culture in Philippine pop culture, but also the place of LGBTs in politics, mm-hmm. right? So to what extent are queers and our issues and advocacies deemed legitimate in the Philippine public sphere? When are queer people allowed to express their whole identity as political actors as well in the national stage? We'll be talking to two people um, whom I admire. And the first is a sociologist writing about queer politics, specifically about the 2022 elections. And then second, we will also be talking to a queer digital organizer and also an on-the-ground activist. And that should make for a very interesting episode, Kat. Yeah, let's listen to Andoy. My name is Andoy Evangelista. I'm an assistant professor at the University of the Philippines, Diliman, sociology department. But I'm currently on leave to do my PhD at the University of Hong Kong. My work is generally queer politics and nationalism studies. Andoy wants to understand queer activists and their political engagement. He was working on his doctorate in Hong Kong when the elections came around, and he felt compelled to return to the Philippines. Actually, in my research, I wasn't really intending to look at the election because my work is nationalism in general. But when the campaign started in February and early this year, I saw all these LGBT participations in the elections and I said to my supervisor, I can't let this go, I need to go home. There was a lot of things that I saw for the first time, at least in my journey as a researcher and as an activist as well. In the past, LGBT organizations would just like list down all their calls and claims and never really endorse a particular candidate. But this time, I was probably not surprised, but I was sort of like taken aback because there were net networks of organizations that actually supported both, you know, the front runners like Lenny Robredo and Kiko Pangilinan on the one side. And of course, there was, there's also a network that supported Bongbong Marcos and Sara Duterte from the LGBT sector. So I myself am gay. Of course, no surprise to listeners at this point, right? It's been a real point of reflection for me. What was it about this year's elections in particular that moved queer political Mm -hmm. expression from being, you know, sectoral concerns or more targeted advocacy, speaking to niche micro-publics, to the national stage? What were the social forces or political personalities that moved queer politics to the mainstream. Yeah, I agree with you, John. I did see a lot more queer energy in the 2022 elections. And Andoy has two theories on this. 
First, you know, Lenny Robredo is probably the first presidential candidate to have a track record for LGBT rights. And second, I think there was something also about the campaign that made it feel safe for a lot of queer people. We've been trained in progressive activism to suspend other identities and focus on labor or focus on wages, focus on this, suspend everything else for the meantime. But in this campaign, it was like, no, you can bring your entire selves into this. The, in, in all your sexual character, you can be in this place. And of course, there were some conservatives in the campaign who didn't like it, but I, you know, they continued doing it. But it wasn't just Lenny Robredo. LGBTQ participation was just as evident in the campaign of then-presidential candidate Bongbong Marcos and his running mate Sara Duterte Carpio. Regardless of where they were in the political spectrum during the last election, they became central because on the other side, there's also another broader network that came about uh, that supported Duterte and extended their support to the BBM Sara camp. Yeah, I think the network is called LGBT Pilipinas. They had an event that was streamed online. The discourse was that we've been supporting the Duterte family since 2016 and we felt that, you know, as the daughter, she's in the best position to continue the gains of the Duterte administration. Kat, do you find it shocking or puzzling that there's Becky's who are pro-Marcos and pro-Duterte? That's a good question. I think you could be pro-Duterte, but also queer at the same time. But I get where you're coming from because we've heard Duterte, we've seen his speeches, we've endured six years of it, of all of the misogynistic slurs. They were looking perhaps into at least Duterte's strong-willed grip mm-hmm. in, on politics, the whole strong man getting things done. Protective daddy. Gays love their daddies. And of course, it's not just Rodrigo Duterte and Bongbong Marcos here. There's many points of identification with a whole cast of characters um, for that political camp. I mean, Imelda Marcos is such a gay icon talking to folks, you know, from older generations. Idol pa rin nila, si Imelda. Yeah, madam. Diba? The pearls, fashion forward. And obviously, one of the mo- their most charismatic characters is Aimee Marcos. And she leans into that babaeng bakla persona, the maldita female leader persona. Yeah, she's able to deliver real talk, call it as it is. Aimee had a strategic role in that campaign, right? Where BBM played safe, played the good guy persona. She even produced that Len Len series, dabbled into acting in those humorous skits. So to me, that was a real campaign innovation. She acted like this auntie asking her amigas what's going on. Dati, fresh Len Len. O ngayon, tingnan mo ma'am. Ay! Ang len-len nyo, pagod na. Anyari? Her amigas na mga bakla rin. Ako, curious ako dun sa term, babaeng bakla. Kailan ba yun ginagamit, Jonathan? Is that something the community often uses? Babaeng bakla is like fag-hag. So for those non-Tagalog mm. listeners, and I know there's quite a lot of foreign listeners to our podcast. So 
I can hang with the gays. I love my gay friends. So I mean, kind of lace up to that, both in real life and also the entertainment skits that are professionally produced on her YouTube channel. Right. And it wasn't just Amy Marcos who actually played into that. It was also Sarah Duterte Carpio herself. Not that she was positioning herself or proclaiming herself as a babaeng bakla. She was saying she was part of the LGBT community. I found it very curious, though, that her justification for it, and she did receive backlash from the LGBT community because her justification for it was that she would cut her hair short. So, like, appearance-wise, like, in the physical sense, she would say she is part of the LGBT community when she feels like it. Yeah, what do you think about that, Jonathan? (laughs) Yeah, so playing into popular understandings and stereotypes of the tomboy, diba? So to be called a tomboy or to be addressed as one for her, that gives her inroads to be to claim solidarity with the LGBTQ community. Is that fair? But at the same time, we need to call out people who instrumentalize queerness, who are using it to advance their own personal gain. So it's just like a currency that they're using when it benefits them. But when it's, you know, a hindrance or it's going to present an obstacle or an inconvenience, kebs na lang sa mga bakla. Pero pag gagamitin sila, sige, uh, bakla na ako, parang ganun. So that's the issue here. And I do understand where these politicians are coming from. They do to find the need to adapt to the times because Becky culture has become so mainstream. I mean, I know it always has been, but even more so now. This is also the phenomenon of pink washing. Corporate brands try to claim solidarity with the gay community, but only seeing gay people as a profitable target market. Right. So as a cash cow, if you will. And so pinkwashing is the phenomenon where, you know, like when it's pride season, when it's pride month, suddenly all of these corporations, all of these mainstream brands who have really done nothing to amplify LGBTQ groups or to donate to causes, to also center LGBTQ voices in their own marketing material, suddenly for Pride Month, for 30 days, they're just going to do it. So I think we're seeing equivalences here in the political space na sino ba talaga yung totoong ally ng community? But I found it fascinating how in the case of VP Robredo, um, here is a candidate who has a track record for upholding LGBTQ advocacies and issues. She's considered as a real ally, but the community um, needed to get her support in writing. Right. And so I found it like a real powerful act of negotiation. Yeah, exactly. It's because she's had that track record. And so it was a no-brainer for people like Direk Rod, who has been an active member of the LGBT community here in Metro Manila, to actually fight for Lenny Robredo. I'm Rod. I'm a filmmaker based dito sa Philippines, sa Metro Manila specifically. I also happen to be part of organizing Pride events here in Metro Manila and also some campaigns, specifically last election. Direct Rod Singh was a member of the UP Babaylan, a student LGBT organization 
based in the University of the Philippines. He was once the organization's president and is currently a board member of its alumni organization, Babaylanis Incorporated. Ron supported the campaign of Vice President Lenny Robredo in the 2022 elections. Rod helped create digital content, engineered viral moments, and also participated in on-ground events. Kami-kami nila Mela yung nag-found ng LGBTQ for Lenny. So ako ang nag-reach out, ako ang nag-mobilize ng celebrities ng LGBTQ for Lenny. Like, actually, mas nag-focus ako sa uh, digital influencer sa mga online personalities. Kasi nga, online nga yung battleground. Kasi sabi nila, pag-pink, malapot daw. Maingay daw. Bakala daw. It's a full endorsement video of, LG, of LGBTQ personalities. As in, the Pusong Babae campaign, lahat ng celebrities na pwede kong matap nandon from Minia to John Lapus. Lahat ng LGBT celebrities, Richie Chan, different generations. Meme Vice actually asked for the script kasi alam ko naman na na si Meme Vice ay for Lenny for the longest time. Pero, you know, alam namin na may tamang timing lahat. Kilala nyo sa pangalang si Vice Ganda. Naniniwala kay Lenny Robredo. Ron says, in past elections, the queer community focused their energies on voter education campaigns, but did not typically carry a specific candidate. But this time, for 2022, it was different. Um, in 2016, wala. Our campaign was more of voter education by then, but we didn't actually carry a specific candidate for the presidency. Pero may consensus internally that we should support um, Lenny Robredo for vice president because at that time, it was just so hard to convince people, specifically those within the community organizing, that we should lobby for Marrojas because we were looking for contributions and promises to the LGBTQ community. The queer community was looking for a candidate who would champion their agenda. And VP Lenny, as you said, Jonathan, she gave them her word. At hindi lang to agenda, agenda, MMing agenda. We actually, ando kami sa part na pumirma ng kontrata si VP Lenny, a pledge na part ang sojibir ng kanyang priority. We call it the National LGBTQIA Agenda. Hindi lang siya campaign promise. It's a written promise na part ng kanyang priority ang SOGI Equality Bill. When did she sign this? February pa lang. Oh, wow. So even before you kind of like release your contributions? Na- yes, pinuna namin yung agenda. Pero mas madali kasi sa akin yung maghanap ng celebrity to do it for free. So what I love about that story from Direct Rod is pinapirma si VP Lenny. Diba? So may pagkasigurista si Direct Rod. What do you think that represented that, you know, they asked for a signature? Mm-mm, right, that commitment. I mean, I can't blame the LGBT community if they want to be sigurista. As you said, I feel like they have been burned a few times before. For years now, there have been attempts to passed the Soji Equality Bill, and it has been passed, actually, in the House of Representatives. But the bill keeps getting killed in the Senate. For me, it reveals that Rod is very seasoned, very experienced. Yeah, as you say, Kat, she's been burned in the past. 
politics is all about lobbying. It's all about trade-offs and negotiation. What can you do for me? Um, yeah, if I'm in a position of power, what can I get back in exchange, right? And so for me, what it represents though is the queer community feels itself empowered enough to ask for this in writing. I don't know whether the queer community would have had, you know, the balls to do this with past candidates, especially for presidential candidates. I think most common to the House, most common maybe even at the Senate level, but for them to see themselves as a powerful enough bloc to negotiate with, you know, a presidential candidate, I think it speaks to the growing organizational power um, of the queer community. And even though, you know, in terms of like voting numbers, I don't think we have anything concrete to say there, but in terms of like controlling the conversation, that's what the queer community brings to the table. Now, we are going to guarantee you viral moments. We are going to guarantee you viral hashtags. I just wonder though, Jonathan, if it's the same case for all candidates. If the LGBT community who supported Bongbong Marcos also asked him to sign the national LGBTQIA agenda, as they call it. Although, unfortunately, we were not able to get someone from the LGBT community who supported Marcos. But not not without trying, Kat. Not without trying. We did try. We did try to get them. But I would love to hear from them, actually, and have that conversation. Please. Yeah, we are happy to talk to folks who are part of the LGBTQ groups supporting Marcos and Duterte. Mm -hmm. Right. But let's go back to the conversation because there were some struggles in the campaign. It wasn't easy for Rod as well. I think for a week or two, we were thinking, anong gagawin natin? (laughs) Anong gagawin natin? Because obviously, walang makinarya. Hindi kami magiging part ng makinarya na makakatanggap ng pera. But the, the good thing about the central machinery, they listen. Hindi mo man directly pinaparating sa kanila, nakakarating sa kanila yung opinion ng volunteer. Um, tinatanggap nila yun. Parang it's very democratic, but also I think a flaw in running a campaign. So behind the scenes, queers control much of the creative industries. I don't think that's a surprise for folks to know. Advertising. Entertainment. Yeah, entertainment, media. They're run by many creative queers. But still, they found it a real struggle to get celebrities to come out and support their candidate. The struggle was to actually convince celebrities to do it. Because during this time when we were shooting, February pa lang, March, April ko na nilabas yung ibang content. Wala pa masyadong artistang nag-all out. But it was the queer celebrities who committed sa akin. Pero I remember so much yung fear nila of doing it. Because magiging subject sila to attacks eh. But the biggest criticism the Beckys for Lenny faced is surprisingly not from the opposing camp. Rather from fellow Robredo supporters. Masyadong binakla ang kampanya ni VP Lenny kaya natalo. May binakla, maraming masyadong queer figures in the front line. There's a critique from Philip Lustre, that old man. Kinikriticize niya yung presence of trans people and sorties, particularly those who are hosting the sorties. Parang sabi niya, it's okay na mga parang OGDs lang pero yung mga transvestite yun pa ang ginamit niyang term ay ano na 
lahat ng sorties ni Bibi Lenny, laging may host na queer. Lahat ng sorties is in different region. Looking at the figures, 15 million. 15 million for that binaklang campaign. 15 million. What did you think about the idea na binakla daw nila yung campaign? <laughs> I don't think that's a surprise, Kat. I think, um, yeah, for me, actually, natakot ako when I saw, I mean, I was so thrilled to see posters na bottoms for Lenny. Um, <laughs> right? Remember those posters? Uh, remember mga altars who were like still hiding their faces pero shirtless sila. So, I, First, I laughed. And then number two, I was suddenly afraid. Na parang, oh my God, what mm. would the church say? Oh my God, what would, you know, other groups say? I think it was um, expected. I think the queer community got away with so many things here. Um, and I think I, I would like to celebrate that. But obviously, marami pa homophobic and transphobic slurs itong campaign na to. So I, I think that contradiction mm-hmm. needs to be acknowledged that as you gain more momentum, more political voice, as you demand a space in that table, you will also become targets, bigger targets of attacks from your enemies, but also from jealous allies. Mm-hmm. And then they had the same observations. Yeah, there's there's that. And there was this another one that says from a camp, like they said, Trillanes is actually bakla because he's a coward or something like that, right? And I think it's easy to use these stereotypes because it appeals, it's so popular and it communicates. That's the style of populism, right? The style of populism is to use existing value systems, systems of stereotype to actually resonate with the population. And That's what they do. Like, um, yeah, Sandro Marcos looks like Charis Bimpenko, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing, even if it's true. You persistent gay insinuation kay Ping Lacson. Right, right. That that one. Um, oh, yeah. Bakit si Ping Lacson ka? Oh, totoo ba? May ganun. May ganun insinuation. At the same time that queer politics was enjoying mainstream national spotlight, homophobic and transphobic remarks were still all over social media. From presidential candidate Ping Lakson being a target of homophobic jokes, calling him Pinky as a slur, really, a resurfacing old rumors that he is gay. Also, his fellow presidential candidate, Isko Moreno, was also shamed as bakla for his negative campaigning against Robredo. Bakla mo naman ng away ng babae. So it's used in that kind of slur mode. The reason why those kinds of narratives became important for the elites, or they realized it was a tool for their campaign, was that because Duterte's campaign was so machismo, it highlighted the gender in politics, and it was effective. And therefore, they had, you know, they realized probably, oh, it it, it works. So let's use all these, you know, transphobic, homophobic slurs and stereotypes because it worked for the, the administration who actually got one of the highest votes in Philippine history. And now we prove that it's more effective because, you know, Bongbong Marcos won. (laughs) 
But one thing that some conservative supporters of Bibi Lenny found particularly unsettling was the sexual expression of some members of the queer community. The idea of binakla seems to go beyond the Becky speak and slurs. They also refer to the confidence that the community has in expressing their sexuality, which some people found vulgar. But we learned from Prof. Andoy that sexual expression is an integral part of queer politics, and that should not be frowned upon. Queer politics is a progressive sexual politics of owning yourself, of bringing yourself, your entire self, into the political game. So when I say kalandian, I mean that in the sense that you know, yung mga malalandin tao are people who are not afraid to bring their entire selves into a particular context. And to me, that's queerness. For example, you know, the queer community, we love that. The bottoms for Lenny, the, you know, the ducks for Lenny or orgies for Lenny. Um, of course, we cannot deny that some parts of the electorate is still very conservative and they can, can't even hear the word, you know, dick or something. Like, sometimes they are a group of people of very... Bear men, you know, there's a group of people that I saw in Ayala Triangle who were offering free hugs, right? That came from the queer culture, that came from pride culture, the idea of free hugs. Queer politics is meant to be transgressive. It is about disrupting norms. It is about doing away with existing categories and obviously like heteronormative expectations. And so expressing oneself in overtly sexual ways is a disruption of common practice, of common political expression that is supposed to be about civility, about respectability, right? So queer politics is I demand recognition despite my lack of conventional forms of respectability that I need to be recognized as a political actor. There's elements of political spaces became queer spaces, you know, that the political rallies became like a pride march. At the same time, you could see how queer spaces were being so political and overtly political. For example, gay dating apps became tools for political positioning and even campaigning. It becomes the primary platform where we engage politically, but it also has a lot of incentives to highlight the hate and the conflict rather than the discussions. Deliberative discussion is not really profitable online. So this thing, so for example, and then it's spilled over again. I mean... When you go to a rally, wherever you go, your grinder app or your growler or your Tinder will be filled with all these political messages. Like there are now users in Grindr who would say, no DDS allowed, no pink allowed. So what we have here is a phenomenon of gay dating apps, obviously meant for hookups, for one night stands. They're now becoming repurposed for political expression, such that in your bio and self-presentation, you convey your political identity. So either by signaling, um, wearing certain colors, or by actually writing it out there. So I find that fascinating that everything became political, even the dating apps. You did have a question uh, for Andoy about orgies. Were there orgies that banned certain groups who did not have the same political leanings as them? 
Well, you know, Kat, that I get really immersed in online subcultures. Yeah. And I find that my responsibility as a researcher, <laughs> you know, for research purposes. And sure. Yes, I might have seen a couple of invitations. Obviously, nandito ako, malayo ako sa Pilipinas, right? So, ano yun nandun sa invitation? Ako, I'm curious. As a sociologist, <laughs> as, as a researcher. Yeah. So, so yun, no DDS, no Marcos allowed. And then, nandun yung address kung nasaan sila. Nasang hotel sila. Mm. And I'm sure there was also no pinks allowed. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. It's so interesting to me that sexual preferences, yeah, it's gotten to that point where we cannot hook up with the other side. Dito din naman sa US. So, would you date a Trump supporter? But would you hook up with one? It just goes to show in this particular context, yeah, these political divides have seeped into the most intimate spaces and intimate personal choices of hooking up. And different folks will have their different justifications and different rationalizations. You know, like, should we try to get along? You don't have to. Right, exactly. Like, use the app as you wish. And I did have a good explanation for this when we talked a bit about it with him even more. He explained that with these dating apps, the behavior is instantaneous. Like, you would want to match with someone who does have the certain qualifications that you would want or who would carry the conversations that work with you, that you are comfortable with. So if that involves political expression, then by all means, say what your preference is. So I think, Jonathan, what we see here is that queer people are main stakeholders of these elections and they are drivers of these elections as well. Yes, queer activists and influencers were finally on the mainstream and national campaign trail as lead organizers hosting political rallies. Also, influencers driving their social media followers to take a firm political stand. Na kayong mga Becky, take a stand naman in this election na wag puro thirst trap, diba? So, I thought that was unique. And while Filipino queer political engagement is not new, 2022 was still the first time that a diverse range of LGBTQ groups, political orgs, student groups, and micro-celebrities and influencers occupied prominent leadership roles at the presidential campaign level. So in past elections, queer policy agenda was still sidelined during national campaigns and queer leaders still had to suppress their own identities. But this time around, we celebrate Becky influencers as real influencers and influence operators who engineered viral moments. Here's Direct Rod for the final word. We are main players of the election. Not just the Robredo ano, ha, campaign, ha? even the Marcos campaign, they tap um, propagandists na queer. You know, the difference lang though is that yung queer propagandist ni Marcos and ni Duterte, they weren't able to convince or to actually assert the queer agenda in their following. But more of because for the longest time, we weren't part of the election. Hindi kami agenda. 
hindi kami parte. Siguro kung parte man, nakatago, di ba? Mga nasa likod ng makinarya, ganyan-ganyan. Pero never sa front line. So yung investment ng queer people to be on the front lines of the election is basically validating. Because for once, we felt that our issues are heard, we were part of the democratic process, mga ganyang bagay. Now that we wrap up the first three episodes of season two, Jonathan, I just wanted to point out how fierce the LGBT community is because we keep hearing this tagline from the, this battle cry, na, fight fire with fire. And they are the best candidates to do that. They knew the language online. They knew how things were operated. And I feel like if they weren't there to provide that kind of ammunition to certain campaigns, to certain candidates, it would have been an unfair or one-sided elections. I think queer people, you know, we're habituated into being in very marginal roles and we have to, you know, step up, be excellent, especially excellent mm-hmm. and creative and witty and play at all those levels, you know, of having been targets of bullying ourselves. We need to be resilient and know how to fight back, but fight back in such a way that is also not in the form of overt bullying. My Bali parin, my Becky parin, it's still humorous. Queer people are so fluent in switching from satire to sexuality to shock, but also to sweet pabebe inspirational messaging, right? So yeah. <laughs> I think that's what Becky influencers bring. I go back to Direct Rod's sharing of how, yeah, they felt that they had that legitimacy and voice as a group that, hey, VP Robredo, please sign this pledge and we're going to hold you to it. And I think that really represents at the national level that they are a force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, Jonathan. And I do hope in the next elections, we don't just see these queers in the campaign rallies, in the campaign sorties, hosting these events, but actually on the stage as candidates themselves, pushing for their own agenda. Again, I'm Jonathan Ong. And I'm Kat Ventura, Puma Podcast. This episode was edited by Carl Sayat. The series was funded by Internews and powered by Puma Podcast. Follow Catch Me If You Can on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have suggestions or comments for the show, we'd love to hear them. Maybe you'd also want to be a guest in the show. And share your digital operations experiences and blow the whistle on Shady Campaigns. Follow me on Twitter at Jonathan underscore C underscore Ong. Maraming salamat po. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.